Welcome to Sights and Sounds, a yearly podcast series that features leading scholars and experts discussing some of New York City's most important historic places and institutions. I'm your host, Peter Christian-Eigner, director of the Gotham Center for New York City History, which produces the show each fall for Open House New York Weekend. In this episode, Taisha Maddox talks about the Caribbean Cultural Center African Diaspora Institute. This nonprofit, which offers programming in arts and culture, as well as education and media in the pursuit of equity and justice for African descendant groups in New York, was established in 1976 as a home for all members of the global diaspora. But its focus on Caribbean peoples is fitting, as is its new location on 125th Street in Harlem. Of the 355,000 immigrants that arrived to the United States from the Caribbean in the early 20th century, roughly two-thirds migrated to New York City and other parts of the state. And that decisive influence has continued. Almost two-thirds of New York City's population is now foreign-born or second generation. And five of the largest ten hail from Caribbean nations. Here, Maddox, an assistant professor at Fordham University, writing the history of this diverse group, uses the CCC as a starting point to briefly recount the social, political, and economic world of 20th century Caribbean New York. To hear the rest of this series, visit us at GothamCenter.org or find us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening. The Caribbean Cultural Center African Diaspora Institute is an art, culture, education, and media organization based in Harlem that seeks to advance cultural equity and racial and social justice for African descendant communities. The organization provides a collective space where African descendants honor the contributions of the global diaspora through exhibitions, performances, conferences, educational programs, and international exchanges. Its founder, Dr. Marta Morena Vega had a vision in 1976 to create a home to promote and link communities of African descendants around the world and make visible the invisible history, culture, and welfare of African descended peoples everywhere. Harlem was a fitting headquarters as Caribbean immigrants in particular have had a significant connection with the community since the early 20th century. Caribbean immigrants have been some of the most influential members of Black American society since the 19th century. Conspicuous among its religious leaders, educators, politicians, and entrepreneurs. In New York especially, their unique experiences have shaped the city's identity. From the real estate developers who helped sell Harlem as an enclave for Black families, to business owners of Crown Heights and Flatbush, Caribbean immigrants have changed the political, economic, and social landscape for Black life in New York and indelibly left their mark on the United States as a whole. Between 1890 and 1940, just over 355,000 Caribbean immigrants came to the U.S., flooding into cities such as New York, Boston, and Philadelphia. New York was a central port of entry with steamships carrying both tourists and imports from and to the West Indies. Caribbean immigrants settled in other regions such as the South and the West, but nowhere as much as in the Northeast and New York in particular. By 1950, over 79% of immigrants from the British West Indies lived in the Northeast and 70% in the state of New York. The earliest immigrants established scattered communities in lower Manhattan and parts of Brooklyn. After 1915, they began to move into Harlem along with African-Americans as it provided more affordable property than the rest of Manhattan. This lasted until the late 1930s and 1940s when Caribbean immigrants began to move into Brooklyn. The Harlem Renaissance had brought with it higher rent and overcrowded housing. 
Bedford-Stuyvesant and Crown Heights now held greater opportunities for home ownership. In the late 1960s and 1970s, the Caribbean community seeking low-cost Black home ownership moved again into the surrounding neighborhoods of Flatbush and East Flatbush, and even further into Brownsville and Canarsie, areas experiencing white flight to the outer boroughs and suburbs. It is after this period that we see the development of true Caribbean enclaves. In Flatbush, where more than half of the population is foreign-born, two-thirds of that population is of Caribbean origin. Their growing numbers soon would make up the largest single group of immigrants from one region in the city. New York City's immigrant population is just over 3 million, enough to comprise the third largest city in the United States. Caribbean nations make up half of the top 10 countries of origin in New York City's immigrant population, with the non-Hispanic Caribbean making up 20% of its foreign-born population. The largest group hails from the Dominican Republic with 380,160 residents. Jamaicans hold fourth with 169,235 residents. Guyanese fifth with 139,947. Haitians seventh with 94,171,000. And immigrants from Trinidad and Tobago make up 87,635 at eighth place. These figures do not even include second and third generations who would unquestionably triple those numbers. Roughly six in 10 New Yorkers are immigrants or children of immigrants. And 48% of all black immigrants in the United States hail from the Caribbean. In the early 20th century, many Caribbean immigrants were skilled and professional workers. With racist hiring practices, many were not able to secure positions in their trained professions. So as a result, many Caribbean women took positions in the garment and healthcare industries or as domestics and caregivers. For Caribbean men, the military also provided viable employment opportunities, not only a secure source of income, but in many cases, a path to citizenship. Caribbean immigrants also experimented with various business ventures, including tailor shops, jewelry stores, fruit and vegetable stands, candy shops, millinery shops, and grocery stores. Take, for example, William H. Roach from Montserrat in the Lesser Antilles, who in the early 1920s opened the only Black casino and movie theater in Harlem, named the Renaissance Theater and Casino. Located at the northeast corner of 137th Street and 7th Avenue, Roach bought the lot in 1920, and with fellow Montserratian Joseph H. Sweeney and Antiguan businessman Cleophus Charity, built the 900-seat theater in 1921. It featured silent films and stage performances at first, but soon premiered talkies. Nicknamed the Rennie, it became a hotspot in Harlem with such famous musicians as Duke Ellington, Cab Calloway, and Count Basie all performing there. It also hosted fights with the legendary boxer Joe Lewis and became home court for the Black Fives, also known as the Harlem Wrens, an all-Black professional basketball team established in 1923, at a time when Black athletes were barred from the National Basketball Association. Immigrants brought an entrepreneurial spirit and traditions from home. This sometimes manifested in clever ways. 
when a mass transit strike halted all buses and subways throughout the five boroughs in 1980, Caribbean residents replicating the minivan style of public transportation found in many islands, in Haiti, the camonettes or tap-taps, guaguas in the Dominican Republic, ZR vans in Barbados, and maxi-taxis in Trinidad and Tobago, for example, started using their own cars and vans to ferry passengers to destinations. The strike ended, but the van service, wildly popular, remained in operation, and drivers eventually expanded, creating routes in places like Crown Heights, Flatbush, Jamaica, Far Rockaway, and downtown Brooklyn. Nicknamed the dollar van for their highly competitive rate, this form of transportation became a very big part of life in Caribbean sections of Brooklyn, where mass transit did not exist. Caribbean Americans have greatly contributed to the cultural fabric of New York as well, through music, food, dress, and religious tradition. One of the most significant examples is the West Indian Day Parade that occurs every Labor Day in Brooklyn. In 1947, Jessie Wardle, missing her native Trinidad, wanted to host a parade that would be similar to the masquerade carnivals held annually on the island. Due to the cold weather that typically characterizes the traditional pre-Lenten season in New York, Wardle decided to move the date to the Monday of Labor Day weekend in order to keep up with the tradition of hosting Carnival as an outdoor festival and parade. Previously, Caribbean immigrants had been hosting Carnival events indoors at ballrooms such as the Renaissance, Audubon, and Savoy as early as the 1920s. Wardle obtained a permit to hold the parade down Lenox Avenue in Manhattan. New York City's Carnival grew larger and more elaborate each year until the early 1960s when a series of violent incidences brought festivities to an end temporarily. Three years after the city revoked the permit, Carlos Lezama, a Venezuelan-born immigrant from Trinidad, spearheaded a project to reinstate Carnival by moving it to Eastern Parkway in Brooklyn, where it is still presently held. From its new headquarters of Crown Heights, this small parade went on to become one of the largest carnivals outside of the Caribbean hosting over 3.5 million participants annually. The West Indian Day Parade brings together people from all over the Caribbean, including tourists from all over the world, to showcase traditional Caribbean costumes, food, music, and dance. Its success undoubtedly helped inspire other Caribbean-specific parades, such as the National Puerto Rican Day Parade, first held in 1957, the Dominican Day Parade, held annually in Washington Heights since 1982, and the Haitian Day Parade, staged each May since 2002. Along with its music and dance, Caribbean food is a major attraction of Carnival. At Brooklyn's West Indian Day Parade, hundreds of vendors line Eastern Parkway, selling everything from jerk chicken and roti to fresh sugarcane. The sound, smells, and taste of the Caribbean can be found in almost every corner of New York City, and the proliferation of restaurants with names such as Islands, Negril, and Caribbean Social are another way in which we see the profound impact of Caribbean culture on the mainstream American landscape. A myriad of Caribbean dishes can be found throughout the city, and the beef patty, a dish synonymous with Jamaican cuisine, has become exceedingly popular and ubiquitous. Sold at Caribbean bakeries and restaurants, they can also be found at pizzerias, 
corner stores, and even on public school menus. In 2016, New York schools served more than 3 million to its students. Hip hop is another great example of Caribbean influence on America. The origins of the genre have been linked to Jamaican dub music and several of the pioneers of hip hop have Caribbean roots. DJ Cool Herc is often considered its founder. Born Clive Campbell, he immigrated to New York from Jamaica at the age of 12 and has regularly acknowledged that his Jamaican roots greatly influenced the early development of his breakbeat DJing style, the foundation for later hip hop beats. More recent artists such as Nicki Minaj, Biggie Smalls, Busta Rhymes, Heavy D, LL Cool J, Foxy Brown, Takashi 69, and Joey Badass also have ties to the Caribbean. Caribbean immigrants have a long history in American politics too. During the Jim Crow era, West Indians established groups such as the Universal Negro Improvement Association, founded in New York by Jamaican Marcus Garvey in 1917. The UNIA was one of the largest Black organizations of its type, with memberships of 6 million and almost 900 branches worldwide. Its goals were the repatriation of all people of African ancestry to Africa, Black pride, and the liberation of the African continent from European colonialism. Other Caribbean leaders, such as Hubert Harrison of St. Croix, founded the Liberty League in 1917, while Cyril Briggs of Nevis formed the African Blood Brotherhood in 1919. Organizations that similarly advocated for Black self-determination and political equality. Caribbean people saw participation in politics at both the local and federal levels as essential to fighting for the values of their communities. Prominent examples include our current and first female vice president, Kamala Harris, the daughter of a Jamaican immigrant. Colin Powell, the first person of color appointed as the secretary of state and son of Jamaican immigrants. And Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a U.S. representative and daughter of Puerto Rican migrants. Historically, one of the most celebrated politicians of Caribbean descent is Shirley Anita St. Hill, better known as Shirley Chisholm. Chisholm, born in Brooklyn to a Barbadian mother and a Guyanese father, became the first Black U.S. Congresswoman and went on to make history again by becoming the first Black person and only the second woman to make a bid for the presidency with a major party when she ran for the Democratic nomination in 1972. Caribbean immigrants from all over the Caribbean have established a place for themselves in America by developing their own social infrastructure, engaging in politics, and sharing their culture. June has in fact been designated National Caribbean American Heritage Month, in recognition of the historic relationship between the people of the Caribbean and the people of the United States, as well as the many contributions of Caribbean immigrants and their descendants to the well-being of America. And that is entirely fitting. As a matter of history, especially in New York, it is hard to imagine the city without the contributions of Caribbean immigrants. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sights and Sounds. Be sure to check out the rest of the series, available on Apple Podcasts and GothamCenter.org, where you can also learn more about the rest of our programming here at the Gotham Center for New York City History. Post-production for the season was provided by Garrett Tiedemann and Gabriella Montequin for Citizen Race Car. 
Special thanks to Dina Ecker for helping the making of this episode, too. I'm your host and the show's producer, Peter Christian Eigner, director of the Gotham Center for New York City History at the Graduate Center City University of New York. Be safe, everyone, and enjoy Open House New York weekend.